Hello and welcome to Tarot Bites. I'm Teresa Reed, the Tarot Lady. I'm the author of the Tarot Coloring Book and the co-author of Tarot for Troubled Times. I'm also your host for this podcast series. This is episode 144 of Tarot Bites, the podcast where I dish out short, entertaining, bite-sized lessons on how to read tarot. Now for today's episode, our topic is gestures and postures in tarot. And my special guest is Dina Barron. Welcome, Dina. Thanks, Teresa. I should say welcome back, though, uh, because uh, the last time we talked was in episode 139, which is just a couple of episodes ago, and we talked about color and costume, and you briefly said something about gestures and postures, and I got really excited, and I'm like, oh my God, you've got to come back. We've got to talk about this because it is so important, and you're, I mean, your conversation about color and costume was so brilliant, so um I knew we had to talk about this, you know, and as we said the last time, tarot cards contain a lot of symbolism. Everything has been deliberately chosen from the settings to the numbers to the colors. And when we look at these figures, there is a lot going on with those postures. And, you know, as a yoga teacher, I pay a lot of attention to postures. So just right now, before we even get to gestures, what can we learn in general, about postures. What do postures tell us about what's going on? Okay, well, posture is so important. It's, it's, it's about intent. It's about attitude. It's about their approach to the issue. I mean, so much is translated through both body posture and gestures. And although they are two separate topics, they do very much connect together. And, you know, as we talk about the cards that will come out, but if you want me to jump in and start talking about a few of the postures, I'm happy to do that. Absolutely. Because I mean, I've got my, I've got the Rider Waite Smith deck in front of me and, you know, I, I love looking at the postures and, you know, getting what I get out of them, but I would love to hear what you have to say about some of the postures. Let's go. Okay, so uh, many of the figures are, are standing. And, well, actually, you know, we have a whole lot of, I won't say many of them. I said some of them are standing. And standing is very active. It's saying, I'm paying attention. I'm concerned. I am aware of what's going on. And they're very present. And then we have sitting. So I don't know if you want me to mention cards that are- Yeah, let's do it. Let's, let's let it rip. Okay, so for example, we have um, the emperor. He's sitting. And even though he is this very important and powerful king, he's patient. He's unworried. He already has the power in the situation. So that's very much about sitting. Now, when you're walking, walking is when you're committed, you are taking an initiative to do something. So it's a very active and very um, fluid type action that's happening. And then I'm going to take that up a notch to riding. All of our knights are sitting on a horse and they're in progress. They're in the middle of a story or a situation. They have a history and they're working it out. Mm-hmm. So, um, and a lot of times knights are known as messengers. So there you are. They're kind of like forwarding the story. Then we have a, um, the hovering, which can be um, the, the lover's card or the judgment card. And this is when there is uh, something of a higher power. You know, these are both, they're, they're known as um, archangels that are kind of like maybe presiding over the situation. And there's not a lot of 
conscious efforts that you can do in this situation. It's kind of like live and let live. Let's let the universe take care of it. Um, then we have the hangman who is hanging literally, and he's waiting. He's reevaluating. He is evolving. Uh, we have the world dancing in the center of the card. She's creating solutions. She's self-confident. She's optimistic. Um, very positive. Dancing is, is fun, energetic, and you know I, I see it as very um, engaging. Then we have the spinning. Spinning, um, I don't know if like there's like the spinning and the falling. I don't know. I, I feel like the tower, um, the spinning is the wheel of fortune. Um, spinning is energy that's beyond your control. Um, it's going with the flow. It's allowing rather than controlling. So you realize you've lost control and you're just like, okay, I'm just going to see where this goes. And the falling, as I mentioned with the tower, is loss of control. You, you, it's, you know, it's grace is at hand here. Like you've just lost, um, all sense of, of gravity and all sense of control in the situation. And it's also almost in the sense of the spinning that it's in a power that's beyond your control. Like with the tower, it's like wherever you fall, it's like, that's where you fall. You really have no control over the situation. So those are some of the, um, of the postures. And, and then maybe I think of like the 10 of swords, the 10 of swords, he's kind of like flat out just like down on the ground. And sometimes people see that as a posture of betrayal. Like he's, mm. it's just loss, like it's gone kind of thing. So those are some of the postures that I see. But I also look like when I'm doing a reading for the cards, I look to see which of the cards are facing each other. So if, if a figure is seated and a figure is standing, are they facing each other? Meaning are they in conversation or are their backs to each other? Meaning not only are they having different energies by meaning one is sitting, one is standing, but are they just not even hearing each other because they're backs to each other and each one is kind of pursuing their own direction, so to speak. So there's a lot that comes into play, but you want to see like, what's the action and then how is it interacting with the cards around it? That's also very important. That's like totally important. I also, I also look at that all the time. So, you know, you mentioned about um, a lot of different postures. What about like kneeling in the star? Kneeling is subservient. It is, um, it's saying, um, I'm kind of like, like, cause I see the star card very much as she's the eternal optimist, but things are not exactly how she wants them to be at this moment. Like it's dark, it's night. And she knows that tomorrow the sun will come out and things will get clearer and hopefully more positive. But right now things are really not like they're neither here nor there. So in a subservient position, you're kind of just saying, I'm leaving it up to you, like kind of to the universe saying, what's next? And um, I'm at your service, almost, so to speak. So what about, one of the cards that's really interesting to me, I want to see if I got it handy, is the death card. I love the death card. I mean, I'm one of those weirdos. I've got, oh yeah, crown on my head, so I love everything about it. But mm -hmm. in the death card, we see that there's all these figures doing different things. You yeah. know, you've got the rider on the horse, the horse is in a position of moving. Mm -hmm. We have the Pope that looks like they're begging and there's two figures on their knees. And then there's one figure, a King who's also 
flat on his back. So there's a lot going on in this card for the postures. And so I'm holding it up. And, you know, when I look at that, I see so much motion. So what do you think it, what do you think that means when we see all these different postures here? Well, first of all, the function of the death card is movement. So the fact that all these things are happening is totally appropriate for the meaning of the card. And also like I look at him, he's holding this banner, which is like pay attention. So I feel as though there's a lot to pay attention to in this card. And I feel as though they're saying like, there's been some loss, like the king that is flat on his back, he's been lost. But there's also a whole lot, there's subservience, there's acknowledgement, there's movement, there's action, there's alertness, there's presence. I mean, there's just so much happening in this card, but I feel like it all goes back to the function of it, which is movement. Mm -hmm. And as with, you know, as with the story of the wheel, it continually moves, time marches on. And that's what this is saying. Death is transformation. Death is change. And it's saying time marches on. The other thing that's really interesting with the two kneeling figures. So one is a, a child that's offering flowers to the figure. And the other one is a girl that looks like she's going to faint. So it's almost like the one is, is like welcoming. They're subservient again, but they're welcoming. Whereas the other figure kneeling has that feeling of surrender. Like I just got to accept this. There's nothing I can do. Well, the child is almost like too young to realize what's happening. Children are so innocent and naive. Like she's just here trying to make the adults in the room happy. <laughs> so I feel as though the one who looks as though she's about to faint is a little bit more aware of what's actually happening. And these are all just different phases of an experience. Another thing that I pay attention to, now this is again my yoga teacher thing. And by the way, I get nuts when I see people not standing up straight or sitting straight, but that's just my personal thing. But there are some cards where some of the images have, it's like they're, they're kind of like have a hump on their back. And so we have like the five of cups. Yeah. We have the cloaked figure in the five of pentacles. Then we also have our 10 of wands. And then we have the hermit. And they all kind of have that same slumped shoulder. What does that tell us? What do slumped shoulders tell us? Well, honestly, I feel like it's, um, it's a loss of faith in oneself. It's like kind of like you need, like, you know, all these figures have been, you know, the fives are, are traditionally hard cards, you know, that five of cups is about betrayal, that five of pentacles is about loss of faith in oneself, that 10 of wands is, you know, hunched over, overburdened, overworked. Like, I just feel as though everyone is a bit at a loss and their, their posture reflects that. They're like, I'm a little beaten down. I'm a little bit, you know, beat up by life right now. And, um, and I feel as though their posture reflects that. And um, with, like with the head down, I, I feel like it's, it's a very kind of like, it just shows their energy, which is kind of like, they're not feeling optimistic. It is a little bit of a down feeling. But I look at the hermit as he is hunched over his light and his light is what's, you know, what's shining his, his way on his path. And I feel as though his focus is not on, you know, the physical, it's on the spiritual. So it, it, um, depending on the um, card and the meaning surrounding it, you can get a little bit of a different um, take on it. But I feel as though they've kind of lost a little bit of themselves mm -hmm. and their energy is focused somewhere else. 
So what about, let's say a figure who, and I'm going to bring up a specific one, who their physical figure here in the Eight of Swords, I mean, she's bound. There's no movement here. Yeah. There's, I mean, her feet can move, but what can we learn about a posture of someone who is bound? Well, you know what? With this Eight of Swords, I have gone back and forth with many different um, meanings of this card. And the thing is, they say, oh, she's bound, but it's not that tight and she could release herself. And, you know, all the swords are around her. No swords are behind her. She could release herself. And I feel as though, as we know, the swords are very um, mental. They're all, they're mm-hmm. air, they're in your head. And I feel as the bounding, it's all in your mind. Like, I, I feel like the, the bounding that we see, you choose. Mm-hmm. Just like in the devil card with with the um, with the chains, it's like you choose when you take those chains off. You choose when those ropes get to be released. You are it, it's all in your mind. Right on. I, I love that. Um, do you feel that you know the now? I want to go back to those knights. Do you feel the knights now? The knights are all riding horses, and like you said, that's a sign of movement. Yeah. But what do you feel about? the Knight of Pentacles, because that horse isn't doing jack. I mean, it's standing still. It's the only knight that's standing still. So, I mean, he's still on a horse. What are we learning from that? What does that posture tell us? Well, you know, you know, he, he's standing, he's alert, he's active. I mean, this, this Knight of Pentacles, he crosses his T's, he dots his I's, he doesn't take a step without calculating what it's going to cost. And so I, I feel as though the intention is there. All of the knights are on horseback and all of them are in motion, but it's just a matter of their speed. And each of them move at a different speed. The knight of pentacles happens to be the slowest. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting that you mentioned, you know, the knights, because as I look through the deck and I always look to see, you know, where are their consistencies and where are their inconsistencies. And it's funny, all of the knights are all on horseback and they're all, you know, all but one are wearing gloves, which is a little bit of, you know, the gestures. And it's interesting, you know, the Knight of Pentacles, both of his hands are gloved. And gloves are protective, but they're clumsy. Their hands are more vulnerable, but they're more agile and they're more sensitive. So it's interesting that, you know, both the Knight of Wands and the Knight of Pentacles, both of their hands are gloved, which means they're kind of protected. And maybe they're kind of like, he, he's trying, you know, with his clumsy hands, he's trying to make sure that everything is precise. But, um, you know, the Knight of Swords, one of his hands is gloved. And that one that is ungloved is the one holding the sword, which is where he is agile and where he can really, you know, slice someone if he needs to kind of thing. So I feel that, um, and, it's, and then of course, the Knight of Cups has no gloves on because he's so sensitive and so vulnerable and just, you know, he's just all heart just Mm -hmm. unprotected and right there for you kind of thing. But that was interesting too. But yes, they all are on horseback, but they all have intention. So what about when there's images with groups of people? And I think we can learn a lot by looking. I mean, when I, I always pay attention when I'm meeting people in person, how is their physical interaction with me? Are they closing their arms off? Are they standing comfortably? Are they sitting down with their knees open to me? How are people interacting when I watch them? So in some of the decks, we have people interacting. So let's look at maybe the, what's going on with the five of wands? And we look at the postures there. What can we learn from that card? What do the postures tell us with these figures? Well, the five of wands is competition. 
Um, I look at each of these, and it's funny, if you look at it quickly, you're like, oh, it looks like they're kids at play at school. But how I see it, you know, none of the figures in these cards are wearing the same thing. It's not like they're on a team. They're all trying to distinguish themselves as different. And I look at the five of wands as um, trying to just, you know, just rise above the others and and, and be different, but it's, it's competition and um, and it's also like all the fives are difficult and they're all tests. So I feel as it's like, where are you being tested in, um, in, in your energy level, in your creativity, in the ideas that you put out into the world and how is the world receiving you? So I feel as though this is like a great um, image for, you know, kids that are just graduating from college and they're trying to get their first job or someone, you know, at any level trying to compete for a job, but it's competition, but healthy competition. What makes you different? How do you stand out? Speak up now or forever hold your peace, so to speak. Right. And when we look at those figures compared to like the five of swords. So when we look at the five of swords and we can look at how they're interacting and their postures, what do we learn from the five of swords? Just looking at how they're all standing around in that card. Well, the five of swords, you know, two of the figures have turned their back mm-hmm. on the other figure, which, and they kind of have left him holding the bag, so to speak. It's like, you're, you're already carrying two heavy swords. You're trying to pick up a three one, and we've left our other two really heavy swords at your feet. We're kind of like, you know, you take care of it, so to speak. And to me, it's kind of like every man for himself. Um, I'm not worried about you. I'm worried about me. And as long as my work is taken care of, I'm out of here kind of thing. So I feel as though that card is absolutely not working together. So what about cards where there's no human interaction, where there's no like physical movement for us to like get clues on? Like, let's say the three of swords. There's nothing physical here. It's a heart with knives in it. So if there's nothing physical going on, uh, I mean, even the eight of wands has movement in it. But this card, for example, doesn't. What do we know about that? There's no figure to gain anything from. Well, I have to tell you that that card, I feel like, evokes such emotion from people. When that card comes up, everyone, they don't care about any other card that's in the spread. What is this? Mm-hmm. And to me, I mean, the it's showing there the swords coming through the heart. Like To me, the Three of Swords is the card of necessary truths. It's not the truth. It's not the. It's not what you want to hear. It's what you need to hear. So I feel as though sometimes you just have to go on what your gut instinct is on the image. Like you're not going to always have people, and you're not going to always have movements in the card. But I feel as though a heart with swords through it is a pretty universal image. People can kind of deduce what that means, which is why I think everybody gets very concerned when it comes up. Right. But I feel as though the information that you learn. When the three of swords comes up is essential in order for you to make the right next decision going forward. I agree a hundred percent. And you know, you don't always need a physical figure in order to glean insights as to what is going on or what the card means. So let's talk about some gestures, some hand positions. Sure. I'm a Gemini. We love hands, anything with <laughs> hands. So, you know, hands do also tell a lot. Now let's talk about the people crossing their arms, like we have that happening in the four of cups, the two of swords, but also in the nine of cups. So what do crossed arms tell us? Well, that actual motion is, um, if you look at it closely, it's like the lemniscate, you know, the infinity symbol, especially in the nine of cups, it's been talking about. And it's, it's a symbol of life. 
And I feel as though it's just the flow. And, um, and, and, and definitely with the two of pentacles, it's a little bit of a juggling act going on. And with the four of cups, it's maybe I'm not accepting what life is offering me right now, but definitely in the nine of cups, it's like, I have chosen this. Like I am so content with exactly where I am. And it just shows you just like life, it's moving. It's, um, it's actually that. Okay. So what about like, let's look at the four of pentacles. So the four of pentacles here, he's, He's covering his chest too, yeah, but he's doing it by holding onto a coin. So what can it's we learn? Very, yeah, it's a very protected. I, I look at the, at the four of swords as um, someone who's very closed off emotionally. So he is using maybe his material resources or things that are um, like physical things in the world to protect himself from having to share what he feels or what's going on for him emotionally. And then, you know, the strength card, She's also holding something in her hands, just like the four of pentacles. It's the same gesture when you look at the two cards, but she's holding a lion's mouth. Yeah. So what is this telling us? She's holding on to something too. This is trust. This is believing. And, and it's, it's funny, like, um, you know, I, I see this as, you know, that you, like, she's done all the work that she needs to do to get her here. Like she can trust that she can put her hand close to the lion's mouth. And he knows that she is this gentle, kind, you know, unthreatening energy that will be protective of him. So what about like hands in prayer position, like the four of swords? Yeah. The four of swords is exactly that. It's just, it's, he prays for, for help from a higher power and for support during a difficult time. Mm -hmm. And he's just showing that, you know, we all have moments when we just, we don't know what to do. And the best thing to do is just get quiet and pray. Right on. Now, what about like the aces? You know, the aces have these hands coming out of the air and they're holding on to something. Um, so what do you, and, and the four of cups does too. What does that gesture tell us? It's the hand of the universe. It's the hand of God. And it's saying that this was meant to be. Like, like you are being presented with this golden opportunity you know, kind of like, um, almost like the wheel of fortune. It's like, like luck and chance has dropped this in your lap. Take this and run with it. I love that. So now here's another thing I want to ask you. This is two cards that I find really fascinating, the higher fend and the 10 of swords. Mm -hmm. And the reason why, again, here, I'm going to go total yoga. Um, they're holding their hands in a mudra. Yeah. You know, and mudras are, you know, like magic in the hand, so to speak. And the Ten of Swords is doing the Jnana Mudra, which is the Mudra of Wisdom. And here we have the Hierophant, and the figure is doing like a benediction with his hands. Yes. What can we learn about? I mean, really, they're both benedictions, I guess. What can we learn about those hand postures? Well, I'm going to also, um, so the, the, it is a Mudra. And what it is, it's like two, two fingers pointing up and two fingers pointing down. And it's, it's, a, it's almost like considered a bridge and it's a bridge of above and below. I don't know if you, you of course, you know the saying as above, so below. So below. And, um, and, and, you know, these figures like definitely, I mean, the Hierophant is, um, he's, it's an initiation, it's rites of passage. He does, you know, baptisms and marriage and he's always, you know, it's very positive, very, very, um, you know, encouraging and, um, you know, positive energies that we go through, you know, positive experiences where it's funny, the 10 of swords is not quite 
as happy of a looking card. People sometimes kind of, oh, what's happening here? He looks like he's been stabbed to death kind of thing. And why is, you know, why would he be giving this blessing? Why would he be giving this benediction? And, and I feel as though, yes, in the 10 of swords, there has been loss, but I feel as though this card is a very positive card. It's saying that whatever you've lost has been necessary in order for you to move closer to the things that you want. And if you look at a, at the top of the card, the black sky is lifting and the clear yellow is coming in to, you know, reference back to my color, uh, you know, what it is. Yellow is about clarity and intention and focus. And now that this, whatever this burden has been, whatever this issue has been that is now done, you now have cleared the way for better things. So what about a figure where we can't see the hands, like the hanged man, the eight of swords, or the five of cups? We don't get to see what those hands are doing at all. We don't get to see what the hands, but I feel as though like the, the hanged man speaks from um, the aura that comes from his head. And um, he, he's all about waiting. So sometimes it's like the answer doesn't have to be right here right now. Um, but I know that the hands, like for example, um, the three of cups, the three of cups, we have three women that are all raising their glass. And it, to me in the three of cups, it doesn't look like there's a leader. It looks like they're all on equal ground. Their cups are all the same height, you know, and they're all like pledging to each other saying, you know, girlfriend, I've got your back, you know, and this is like really a joyful dance and a acknowledgement for the feminine energy. And, you know, the three women represent the maiden, the mother, and the crone. They're all uh, aspects of the goddess. And um, so sometimes the message doesn't have to be in the actual hand gesture. It can be just in the entire energy of the card. It comes through like that. I love that. So what about, now you mentioned as above, so below. And right away, of course, that makes me think of the hand gestures for the magician. Yes. So tell about that. that. Yes. Well, first of all, he is all about intention mm-hmm. and the, um, the action, I pulled that card out too. The action that he's taking is, you know, he's got his right arm, his right hand raised, you know, and your right hand is assertiveness. It's logic. It's giving it's, you know, it's right there. And he's, that's all. And the magician, he's surrounded by yellow. He's wearing this red cape. He is so much about intention, but his hand gesture points to above and below, right hand above, left hand below. Once again, the reference to as above, so below, which is like really the driving force of everything. And that is confirmed in the card by the flowers and greens above and then the matching flowers and greens below. So it's saying what happens above happens below. And the magician is here to be like a conduit. He's Mm -hmm. here to, um, to join the energy, to make it happen. So one last thing I'd like to ask about is feet postures. I mean, we're talking about gestures with hands, but what about, you know, I look at the gestures, like how the temperance is moving their feet or also how the world is standing on one foot. Yeah. What can we learn from the gestures our feet make, if anything? Well, I mean, I do like the, the being on one foot is, you know, also like the two of pentacles is on one foot and they're balancing. They're trying to find their, their right place. Um, in the temperance card, he has one foot on land and one foot in the water. So, and that card is about balance. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
and, and finding that, that middle point. So I feel as though the feet sometimes correspond, like it's a whole body posture. You know, like when you're dancing, your body isn't staying still and your feet are moving, like everything's happening at the same time. So I feel as though um, not all of them can you see the feet, but I do feel like it matches what's happening mm-hmm. um, in the energy of the card. Right on. So, you know, you've co- we've covered now, we've talked about color, we've talked about um, costumes, we've talked about gestures and postures. Is there anything else we need to be paying attention to? Well, I mean, I guess one one other thing that I um, I notice, and you know, in some cards this is more uh, visible than others. But like, for example, the devil. The devil also has a bit of a of a hand gesture, and written on the palm of his hand, it is said is the symbol of the planet Saturn. Mm-hmm. And you know, Saturn is the planet of limits and restrictions and deep change and just difficulty in general. And I feel as though that's kind of the energy that the devil gives off. So I feel like sometimes looking for like anything extra in the cards that might like signify, you're like, oh, and you know, uh, I, not to add a whole other element to it, but knowing the planetary association of cards can add a whole other depth and meaning to each card and can open up a whole new hallway of doors that can give you a lot of new tools to work with. There's so much in these cards. There's so much to look at. I mean, I've been looking at the decks for 40 years. I never get sick of looking at them. I'm always learning something. And the discussion today too gets me really thinking again about these physical postures and other ways that we can be looking at them. So, and I love what you said about the knights with the gloves, by the way, because- I didn't notice that. (laughs) So you can teach an old tarot dog lots of new tricks. And I love, love, love everything that you shared. So Dina, once again, I mean, you are like just filled with some amazing insights. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with me today. Oh my God. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. I love talking about the tarot. It's one of my favorite topics. (laughs) We never get sick of it, do we? It's true. It's very true. (laughs) And if people want to work with you or learn more about you, where can they find you? Well, they can come to my website, which is my name, dinabaron.com. And I'm also on both Instagram and Facebook as Dina Barron as well. But, um, you know, I'm available for private readings. Um, I work both in person in New York City where I live, but I also work on Zoom video and on telephones. I work with people all over the world. So you don't have to be in New York City to work with me. But I do do parties and events in New York City as well. And in addition, I'm a coach. So if you're looking for some support in exploring how to create the life that you really envision, I'd love to talk about working one-on-one with you. So reach out. And you also teach too. I teach. I do. I teach. I'm teaching a yoga class, a yoga and tarot intuition class on September 19th in New York City as well. Yes. Awesome. So people, for you who are listening, get to Dina's World, get a reading from her, hire her for your party, or... Find out where she's teaching. I mean, obviously, from the two things that we've done here on Terabytes, she has a tremendous amount of wisdom to share and such a great perspective. So get into her world. It's dinabaron.com, D-I-N-A-B-E-R-R-I-N.com. Thank you again, Dina, for being here today. Oh, it's my pleasure. All right, people, that wraps up this episode of Terabytes. And you can check out lots more tarot goodness on my website, thetarolady.com. 
I've got free tarot and astrology lessons, the tarot coloring book, tarot for troubled times, hundreds of blog posts, astrological forecasts, lots of other good things for you to scope out. Enjoy. That's always such a mouthful. I'd also like to mention that if you'd like to learn to read tarot with me, come away to Tuscany, the birthplace of tarot, to learn anew or to deepen your knowledge at Tus- at the Tuscany Tarot Intensive. This is a five-day total tarot immersion from May 10th through the 16th, 2020. Uh, we're going to have all kinds of other good things going on there, including fabulous food. So you can get all the details and sign up at radiantjane.com. Look for retreats. Um, scroll on down to the Tuscany Tarot Intensive. You'll find all the information there. I want to thank you again for listening. I hope you have a beautiful day. And hey, if you like the podcast, do me a solid. Get over to iTunes, leave a sweet review because that's going to help more tarot curious people find their way to this little podcast. And as always, I like to close out by saying, pay close attention to your intuition throughout your day and let it guide you into making brave, excellent choices. Remember that you are always in the driver's seat of your life. You are in charge of your decisions, your plans, the action steps that you take or don't take. You're the boss. And if you don't like where your life is headed right now, well, you can change that because nothing is ever fixed in stone. The tarot cards tell a story, but you write the ending.